welcome to this episode of the SportKite Podcast. I am your host, Nick O'Neill, founder of SportKite.org, and I wanted to thank you for tuning in and listening. Big shout out to all of our supporters out there and our listeners. Thank you for coming back and enjoying each one of these episodes and also for sending in your feedback to info at sportkite.org. We do read each one of those emails and comments and all that other stuff you send in and we try to make changes as we're going along. So if there is something you see that you'd like to see more of, let us know. If you have a question, let us know. Uh, if you have just general feedback, let us know. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and finish up a conversation that we had with the group of guys. And we have, you know, some repeat folks that have joined us for conversations over the past year or so of doing episodes. And in this, we're going to talk about maybe some ideas or approaches that we can have when it comes to sport kite competition that we can learn from other sports like cornhole or disc golf or some of the other uh, non-first tier sports that are out there. Stuff that could maybe help us uh, further the sport in, in the world. Anyways, I, we say it so much better during the chat, so let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, <laughs> all right. I may so, know nothing about it, but so the premise is that disc golf gets a lot of views and has all this big time sponsorship and everything, and sport kiting really is not big. Uh, so younger either... generation plays it. That's why. Yeah. So either we can focus on. You what, know who needs to be in that conversation? Devin. Brett. Brett. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so maybe we should hold that one for Brett. Yeah. Uh, no, and so. just, thanks for again throwing me under the bus on that one. I Love you. The last round of the of the disc golf US Pro Tour. I'm like, my God, these fucking nerds are just out there. Well, it was on ESP. It was on Sports Center. I know. I just watched it. It's what great. The they did a beautiful, beautiful piece on it. Made it look super cool. Yeah. And and it isn't. It's as cool as as what we're doing, or not. Uh, uh, you can make anything look cool if you if you film it right and, and do the right thing. I'm gonna say it is the it is a great thing to do. It's a great fun thing to do. Is it? But it's not cooler or funner. Than I would say it's. It, in the eyes of the public, it's more cool because it's more of a social thing than kiting is. I was thinking you were going to go there. I was going to yep. compare it to quadline kite flying. Exactly. Uh, in the sense that well, it's not about the highest skill with quadline kite flying. We can say that now that Spence is gone. Um, it's about... I mean, hunter fly squads. It's, <laughs> it's about the social part. and They got that really well. They understood that. That's how you how you're gonna draw the people in. And That's absolutely what it is. Yep, and what we're doing but, with two well, lines is not gonna get the people in. Well, so let me just put it out there another way or another option here. Is it because the the objective and the outcome are so clear and easily understood? You get it. You get a disc from point A to point B. It's so easy and clear. There's no interpretation or anything. It's how many throws does it take me to get from here and get it into that basket? 
Yep. So, so here's, here's the other side of that. If that's the case, why isn't mini golf big anymore? Why isn't oh, mini golf on Sports Center anymore? That takes How? quite a bit of infrastructure, though. And just like soccer, soccer is the best example of it. It takes nothing, it takes a couple of people and a ball. And again, what Hunter well, said, true. that goal of literally, yeah. that goal of I need to get the ball from here to there. I think that's a great point that Hunter just made about. Well, yeah, I mean, it's. But figure skating is no end goal. And people figure skate. Yeah, no, but you're it's exactly right. Sports. But do people figure skate or do people ice skate? People watch it. I, I love watching figure skating because of the come. To me, it's a close analogy to ballet kite flying. But really, is it a huge sport? I don't think so. Side note the curling world championships are in Cedar Rapids in January if you guys want to come. There's another one of those depressing sports. Curling is awesome. You shut your face. I no, will be attending. I love the people that do it. I think it's great for them. And they're fucking winter Olympic sport. And I'm like, my God, what did we do wrong? And that's okay. I think it's great. I'm I'm all happy for them. I'm just sad for us at the same time. I think the, you know, back to the disc golf side of things how i think we would never be able to quantify it but how many people has sport kite flying lost to disc golf wait say that again how many people has sport kite flying lost to disc golf oh boy i don't know i don't need do you mean actual people or like theoretical aren't they all theoretical well you know because brett and and fletcher love they both play disc golf but they are also active sport kite flyers right but if we're that's also a really good disc golfer by the way well that's what i'm saying yeah right? like they do that um yeah as theoretical or potential i think one of the the main issues has been an image problem um yeah well yeah. And then <laughs> and then you go into um you kind of argued with the guy from South Africa, right? You know exactly who I'm talking about. And then he made a post the other day and it was one of Andrew Beatty's videos. Like, what do we do? Just sit back and crack a beer. I'm like, dude. And I wanted to comment, dude, if you only knew how difficult it was to, to fly a single line kite, the size of a football field, you would, you wouldn't be saying this. Well, he's, he's got, some truth i commented on on that post as well there i is, saw that there there is some truth and thankfully andrew Beatty stepped up and also commented about the context of that video which was right. perfect right um and the, the hard problem right is that at festivals or events or any of this the most visually stimulating is the large line laundry yep and most of the people with the money and the time to buy that stuff are people that tend to be over the age of 50 tend Correct. to kind of want to just yep. put they their stuff up and fly and not saying it isn't physical to put it up and take it down, but the act of flying it is not physical. Yeah, I mean, unless, you know, it's a difficult wind day. But, right. you know, to agree with your last statement, the last festival I went to, where I think I got COVID somehow, um, 
the entire festival was broken down except for one guy who had fallen asleep underneath his kite. He fell asleep. I mean, granted, he's, you know, probably 70, 75. <laughs> it, was, it was Larry Day. To, to both of your points, uh, uh, yeah, kite festivals are made up of, of people with a bit of money that were able to buy themselves uh, kites that, that make a nice visual presentation. It's not based on skill. It's not based on sports. Um, it's not based on, I've been practicing this for 15 years, so come watch me do my thing. It's no. not. And, and, and that's why it's not a sport. Correct. Yeah, I, I think the actual sport of sport kite flying is it's it's hard to engage with uh, as it stands right now. The the competition and everything else, it's it's hard to understand and it's hard to engage with. Team flying, we can engage with. We can we can see what's happening, even if the flying isn't great, you still mm -hmm. see people doing stuff together. And you can you can see the camaraderie, you can see the patterns in the sky, you can see all of that. But unfortunately, one of the difficulties with dual line kites is you have to you have to be at a certain level before people are going to get it. Otherwise, it's just floppy, 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 floppy. Blah. I fell out yeah. of the sky, right? So. <laughs> Team flying is absolutely easier to understand in that sense, mm -hmm. which is another reason why quad line flying, I think, is more popular uh, than dual line flying at the moment. Yep. I would agree with that, yeah. Hunter, what were you going to say? <laughs> you had to run away to go cut a kite. <laughs> at least somebody's working today. Uh <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. Um, I mean, does it boil down to... Does it boil down to the demographic of the people who are doing it? I mean... So we go look at like kiteboarding. Kiteboarding involves kites. It doesn't I mean it, it also is a uh, a long learning curve. It's not it's mm -hmm. not kayaking where you teach, tell someone a five minute spiel and then go kayak and have a really good time, or even disc golf for that matter. You, know, you, you, know, you can give someone a couple pointers and they can go have a pretty good time. Um, but it attracts a different you know demographic that I guess some people could say is a cooler, hipper demographic, <laughs> but I don't That's know. That's a nice I mean, way of saying it. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, um, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I, I mean, we, sorry, we, no, sorry. We, um, our son was, was uh, doing some soccer, um, some soccer lessons, you could say, um, with a group. And it was at a local park that has a disc golf course there. And I mean, I think you could stereotype the typical disc golf player as well. I mean, and this this isn't mean to 100%. be derogatory by any means, but I mean, it kind of it looked like the guys that work in our at, at our we, I work for a software company, and we have engineers, developers, and it looked like the developers, the guys that are you know a little you know they got their scruffy beards and they look like they play video games until two a.m. at night, and they're thirty five, forty years old, and those are the same guys that grab their disc golf bags and go for a walk and, and throw. And I don't mean that negative, um, but that seems to be who is out there for the most part. I'd agree yeah, with that. yeah. And in general, when you look at the kite field, because people look at the kite field as a whole, they don't see just sport kite flyers. 
that's not what they're seeing out there. And obviously, when you see big line laundry taking up the most amount of visual space, you you just naturally, your vision goes to who's flying it. Um, yeah. And so you're not necessarily feeling that I want to emulate that person, even on a subconscious level. You may be like, wow, that's a really cool kite. I want that kite. I want to see beautiful stuff up in the sky. But you're not subconsciously wanting to emulate. You don't want to you don't want to be fit like them. You don't want to, you know, be active like them. And even kite flyers within the community don't necessarily want to fly sport kites because it's too active. No. And like, I've, I've never said to myself, man, I want a beard like Andrew Beatty. Like, <laughs> like, He's a good know, guy, but you don't want a beard like him. No, I, I mean, I personally can't get my beard hair that long. It itches too much, but you know, it's, you're right. It's I don't I just I don't know. Well, okay. So, I mean, this is bleeding over into this uh, yes, I'm going to go here. Um, <laughs> I mean, in talking about that visual piece and what people can easily like see and relate to is this, you know, oh wow, that's impressive. It's this big massive octopus or whatever it is. Did slacklining kill sport kites because the crowds were bigger when people flew big stacks with really long tails and you had that stuff going on and and also flying Hawaiian team kites and getting drugged down the beach and flexible stacks. I mean, I, I'll admit, you know, a big stack of dynakites or hyperkites or whatever with 50 foot tails is much more visually appealing to the average goer than quick response me. for you on that one. Um, you could argue that maybe it's not about the audience, it's about the participants. It's about when that level of technical skill uh, was elevated. And I would say that happened in about the 2000s, late 90s. Um, it, it kicked out a bunch of participants that couldn't keep mm -hmm. up. So we didn't have anything to fill up that, 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 that gap anymore. Uh, but... But that same thing happened with weight or happens with wakeboarding and skateboarding. I mean, they you got the pros on this so high unattainable level, but you still got kids out there, you know, trying their best to learn the basics of skateboarding or wakeboarding. The pros in in sport kite flying dropped out when the level of 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 when the ceiling of sport kite flying skill was up so much. So, Paul, are you saying if I'm hearing that correctly, Paul, are you saying that? the ceiling was raised by the non-professional kite flyers? No, the ceiling was raised by, by a handful of professional or non-professional kite flyers. And a lot of people weren't, weren't willing to keep up with that because they gotcha. didn't have the skill. Gotcha. Okay. They didn't want to put in the time or they didn't have the physical prowess or whatever the reason. But I think it dropped a lot of people when huh, the French revolution came along. So I, Sorry, let me move my mic back. Um, I, I I definitely think there's there's a lot to be said there, especially when we compare it to other sports. Um, I know we were talking about kiteboarding earlier, and we're going to have the Olympic elite racing, right? Is going to be the pinnacle of kiteboarding. But there's Paris. I don't right. know that it's the pinnacle of kiteboarding, but it's the it's right now it's the uh, advertising. Sign Engine. Of yeah, but 
But there are so many other well-defined aspects of kiteboarding that you can be a participant of and be a kiteboarder. With sport kiting, if you're close to the water, if you have enough money to buy kiteboarding equipment, yes. Snow kiting, all and time and all that. But using that comparison, when it comes to sport kite flying, just like you guys were saying, like with kites and tails and stuff like that, that all got pushed out. So there is just high precision flying and that's it. There Uh, isn't all these other aspects of sport kite flying that you can be a sport kite flyer. I don't know. But maybe maybe you aren't this top tier, but you're the kind that goes out there and flies a stack with with 50 tails and you are just as celebrated as you know the the wake style kite border the olympic racer the foil border the you know all these all these overlapping circles sport kiting it's it's pretty much gone only slackline tricks that's the predominant hard disagree with that i'd say that that in in recent years of of social media actually the people flying at quantum with the tail are are more represented than than or better represented and the people that are flying yeah. stack kites are better represented than whatever uh no i feel that that the various avenues of sport kite flying have have gotten a better podium not a worse podium in the last five to ten years but well yes goes- in, the, in the last five years or so but if we are talking about how competition evolved and all that and you're saying it pushed people out that became all it was. We're talking, we're, so what we're talking about? We're talking about competition kite flying, or are we talking about general sport kite flying? Because, birthday! Hello, Devin. <laughs> hey, Devin just hopped Happy in. Birthday to Hi. You. Hi, Devin. Happy birthday to you. How's it going? Birthday, dear Devin. <laughs> keep, keep going. I'm gathering all kinds of crap because I have to do recital things tonight. Why are you not in a tux yet? I'm literally holding tux pants right now and I have to iron them and then I have to do horn maintenance, but I'm going to try to be here at the same time. Sorry, keep talking. Uh, So we were talking about uh, essentially why sport kite flying is somehow not as popular as disc golf and (laughs) (laughs) lacrosse. Just put that face out there. So, so here's, here's one thing that I've kind of always wondered and I don't know if I've ever outwardly asked it, but how is sport kite flying? And we may, Paul, you may have a better view of this answer given that you're more international than I am. Um, how is sport kite flying viewed outside of the v, outside of the U.S. compared to how it is here in the states? By I mean, whom? is it what? By whom? The general public. Eh, it doesn't exist. Okay. So, like, I, like I kind of get the the feeling, and this is just kind of you know my my internet feeling, my internet vibe, if you will, that it's a little less cringeworthy in Europe than it is here in the states. Possibly, but that could only be judged by people if they if they would know it existed. It still doesn't exist in either continent, uh, if you will. Okay. But if we're talking about the average level and shape of competitors in a given competition, then yes, I would agree with you. Yeah, okay. To be blunt. 
now if we take it over to the Asian countries and how they're approaching sport kite flying, they don't, some of them do, like if you had the, the, the Japan Kite Association stuff, if they're it's part of that. these days. Right. But if you look at how that sport kite community is growing, they are very broad. They're comprehensive. They have tails. Yeah. They have, they're not constrained by only slackline flying. Um, uh, in a way, they're in their infancy. Neither huh? was sport kite flying ever, because ballet sport kite flying is still not constrained by, by slackline. I can still fly and win a ballet competition without a single line slack trick if mm -hmm. I get my choreography right. I'm convinced of it. I'm not going to do that. I'm going <laughs> to slam it slackline, <laughs> right? But that's not the point. Beat the, the shit point. out of it, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> The point is that 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 slack line is not the end all and be all um, of competitive kite flying. But we don't even know what that is anymore. So why do we keep talking about it? There the is point. no competition anymore. <laughs> but but we always talk about it. Yeah, no. I, I think it's because we're like we're, we've we're gone past we've gone past beating the dead horse. We're like licking the dead horse now. <laughs> Or it's not even a horse anymore. The skeleton is a pile of ash. Yeah. Like, we're gone. It's gone. We got to find another animal. <laughs> so we're just eating a pile of maggots at this point is what you're getting at? I think we may be past the maggots. Protein. Yeah. All right. I'm thinking, so. I'm thinking a cougar. I'm thinking a cougar. Oh, Ooh, there was one of those. There was great. one of those in Cedar Rapids yesterday. Are we talking like an animal? A or a yeah, there was one spotted on the other side of town. So we're not talking like a hungry mom. We're talking we're like we're talking an about licking an animal. So it might yeah. as well be food, right? Welcome okay. back, Spence. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. We're licking. We're licking animals now. Yeah, we, we are, are licking cougars sometimes. Go. Wow, this conversation has changed a lot from carbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, this isn't awkward at all. All right, so. Okay, if we are then to say, how can we get there? How can we get as interesting and as exciting as lacrosse and disc golf and name some other second or third tier, you know, sport? Roller derby. Of course, I'm going to put a, a word out there for roller derby. How dare you tier sports, Nick? Well, you know, we're not going to be soccer. We're not going to be football. We're not going to be Formula One. I don't even know if I would consider lacrosse second tier anymore, though. Okay. But come on, we got to be above cornhole. Like, no, we're not. Cornhole's on ESPN. I know. And then, oh. Really? Yeah. So is bowling. Oh, I'll be dark. Bowling, yes. But cornhole? Yeah. Cornhole yes. is on ESPN, too. Oh. It's not even on the Ocho. Corn... Well, we chose the sport, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, how so... can we be above cornhole? Well, so I don't know. That, I, well, for one, for one, now that we have Devin back, does Devin need to do a quick intro as to who he is? He's oh yeah. Be, if, and I don't even know if this is intended to be recorded for the podcast at this point. Oh yeah, absolutely. We have licking cougars and eating maggots. <laughs> Happy birthday, Devin. <laughs> he can also set the record straight on the frames we chose too, since I botched it. You didn't. Yeah, botch I'm it. sure you didn't botch it. I'm sure I did. I feel like that's a you problem, and that's your confidence talking. 
Yeah, Aww. it is a me problem, and you're the designer that's going to fix it. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> 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 they sound like they sound like a married couple. Yeah, we're not too far off. Pretty even, much, even the boy says that. All right. Okay. So, what what could we do to make the sport more sport? And actually have people take it and get interested in it and want to play it and participate. It's not a gear issue because people buy people buy ski gear and they ski twice a year. And we talk to cornhole folks and like (laughs) how did like hey cornhole folks, how did this happen? How did you get on like ESPN and have this kind of thing? Did you get an ESPN person and get them drunk and they pay you a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, I certainly don't think it's a, it's certainly not a drink and have fun situation. It's not a lack of that. (laughs) Does it, does it go back to that whole piece of like a really clear outcome of what you're trying to to accomplish? Like just golf, you're trying to get from point A to point B Um, cornhole. You're trying to get the, the beanbag in the hole. So does it need, and I almost want to say, and I have no idea what the success of it is or if it's doing anything, but you know, Revolution does their Club 38 or whatever whatever it is, mm-hmm. and they put out there these milestones or things to achieve. Does, we'll call it sport pen in general or dual line, does it need almost that kind of a thing that there's like, here's what you should be trying to achieve and these milestones you should be trying to achieve. And that gives people something to go for besides just, I'm just going out there with my kid to fly around in a kite and do make it do loops and dives. It gives me something to be striving for. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. You may be we going to do that. Answer, so what no. Hunter is saying is what's hurting sport kite flying is that it's an open-ended question. Yes. And, and ultimately but, we always decide that too. Yeah. And what, so when I, when I pick up my sport kite, if I've gone out there and I can fly it straight across the beach and I can do some loops, eh, great. That was fun. I'm done. They don't know what the next steps are. They don't know what they should be striving for to try and learn unless they get interested enough to go find some of these videos of people flying and they see them doing this funky flopping through the sky thing or whatever. Or, hey, the next challenging thing for me, oh, put a 50-foot tail on it. Great. That just enhanced my flying and it looks cool. And But still, I don't know. I, where, where are they going? What are they trying to achieve with it? You or know, with, with, kiteboarding, you're, with kiteboarding, you're trying to get up on the board. Then you're trying to stay up wind. Now you're trying to learn to jump. Now you're trying to learn to jump higher. Now you're learning toe side. There's all these different little incremental things that are clear as to what they're trying to do. I don't know. Or Hunter, if somebody actually works on some guides that people can use. I mean, I know some people work on those tirelessly. Those, I think, I think those might be kind of what you're talking about. It still goes. <laughs> Thanks, much John. Into... You know I'm <laughs> sorry, Paul. Yeah, no, it still goes very much into into the goal of the game. Uh, Hunter is right. There is no goal to kite flying, and and there is definitely a goal to throwing a beanbag, or a frisbee, or a soccer ball. Uh, that just might be the difference. That and the loba. Uh, uh, the easy way of, of, of entry in those other hey. sports. We need wind. We need gear. We need room. I mean, also, that goal and, is pretty easy. 
right? Like it's defined. Get the ball in the hole. Makes for easy competition and easy teamwork. Right? Like roll it around its center tee and throw a sneak is not exactly an easy goal. Especially <laughs> like especially when someone's like, sorry, what's the difference between a backflip and a fade? So there I think there is a level of love of access there. And plus it is so easy, not easy. I'm sure it's harder on the surface. I can't throw something in the trash can for God's sakes. So like there's something that's easy for them to lock onto. I would assume that is also easy to talk about. Does that make any sense? Yeah. The, the object is easy, but the execution may or may not be. So it's refining the skill to get to the object. Um, so, so just to bring, just to really quick bring it back to what we've been talking about a little bit, and that analogy back to kiteboarding. So, what do we talk about as hitting the Olympics for kiteboarding? It's racing. Again, it's clear you're trying to get from point A to point B faster than the other people. It's clear, and yep. it's and it's easy to understand. It's easy to know who won, who didn't, and I think that goes back to. And we've talked about it before. Me as the non-competitor will sit here and say, you know, kiteboarding, or not, excuse me, sport kite competition was done wrong in a sense of, you know, hey, we'll we'll let everyone compete and then we'll do the awards as to who won two nights from now at the banquet or three nights from now or one night from now at the banquet and not have that immediate, uh, uh, you know, uh, so the, the, the crowd has no idea where, where people stand. Those are details, but they're absolutely correct. They didn't help. Um, I think you're, again, 100% correct in that they chose racing over, say, freestyle. I would, in, in kiteboarding Olympics, uh, I would say that there was a much higher established base of, a base of freestyle kiteboarders available for the Olympics, and they still didn't take it because it's not an easy-to-measure uh, competition format. Uh, the other thing with 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 Olympic kiteboarding racing is that they can convert a whole lot of windsurfers that are now no longer Olympic to become kiteboarders and that are longtime world-class competitors. But it, it all comes back, you're right, I think, to it's an easy measurable. And so, Sorry, go ahead, John. Back, back to, you know, the initial topic the comparison of disc golf and sport kite flying. Uh, one thing that we haven't touched on is attention span. You know, disc golf, you throw it and your attention span of a goldfish is gone and you walk for a couple hundred feet and then you have to focus for another 45 seconds and then you're done. Sport kite flying, you, if you choose to, have to be a little bit more focused than for 45 seconds at a time. So that yeah. that kind of yeah. may not fit all if people. If I play soccer, I have to be focused for two times forty five minutes, though. Well, yeah, but we're talking about disc golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of keep falling back on. I I want to exclude, but I also want to include, like figure skating, right? Because there's no goal in figure skating most of it's solitary predominantly figure skating is solitary um 
it requires some level of infrastructure and gear and people do it. Um, I still venture to say that, that that disc golf is now bigger than figure skating because of those reasons, uh, gear and, 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 but, and, and, but what can sport kiting take from maybe that concept of the, the public got educated rather quickly on figure skating. They could understand it. Um, sure. You know what a loop is and an axle and you know, jumps are cool. You know, spinny things are cool and it, it looks cool. And yep. And I've got my, my announcer to tell me what is exactly cool and what was not quite as cool. Yeah. Um, okay. You... Wagging finger. No, I was just agreeing with you. But again, figure skaters don't make any money. It's not a, it's not a real career. They make money uh, when they go to, to, to Disney on ice, but they're not making money going to the Olympics. Well, okay. So just, I want to take a step back for a moment though. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm ignoring it, the obvious with, with kiting, but even with figure skating, I feel like there's pretty clear like objectives. Okay. I need to learn how to skate. Now maybe I want to learn how to skate backwards. Now I want to learn how to do a spin. Now I want to learn how to do some kind of little jump, whether it's whatever, toe hook, whatever they call it. You know, and now I want to learn how to do a jump with a spin. Now, am I, am I saying, like, is it not as obvious with, like, a two-line kite that I want to learn how to fly? I want to learn how to do a loop. I want to learn how to do a loop the other way. I want to learn how to go across the ground. Uh, are, are those things obvious that, like, once you learn those things, where do you go from there? I don't know. Now, obviously, figure skating does have facilities that that – are a business that attract people for both hockey as well as just general fun skating. Um, they do then have figure skating coaches that can help you learn um, that make money off of that. Uh, so, I mean, it's there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Hunter, you just touched on it. Nick mentioned it too, that figure skating has what sport kite flying doesn't is infrastructure. I mean, yes, there is in, you know, the governing body, the AKA, but there's no infrastructure behind that, you know? Um, there isn't, you can't go to your local, uh, you can, depending where you are, um, but there aren't many. You can't go to your brick and mortar and, and ask for coaching. You can't go to your local soccer field where I'm going to fly and get coaching. You can't have a coach that's going to be at the field with you at six o'clock every morning, six days a week and drill you on snap stalls for 45 minutes every day. You know, that's, that's just not part of how this works. So, you know, it's not the mindset. Are there too many types of kiting then that's being supported? And the reason I say that is you just mentioned figure skating has a governing body that kind of does it. Well, you know, I guess in figure skating, you've got different types or not figure skating, but in skating, you've got different types, speed skating and all those different things as well. But I don't know if each one has its own governing body then, but it's like if the AKA is our governing body, they're supporting all types of kiting out there, not focusing in on sport kite or dual line or quad line. I would agree with that because and if you could take the reference of major league baseball governing all minor league baseball, all college baseball, and then include all softball and slow pitch and beer league is kind of how that would look at and kind of what the AKA is doing. They're looking at sport kites. They're looking at single line. They're looking at kite making. It's almost like their reach is too much. 
fully 100% agree. And it's part of the reason um, I started up sportkite.org and this podcast and stuff is because uh, something we've, we've touched base on. And I know John called me out on the guides thing because I've been trying to get that information up and there is creating a basic, a basic pipeline that someone can go look at and essentially teach themselves how to do this thing. I'm not necessarily saying teach proficiently, but so that they know like, okay, my first goal when I go out there is to learn how to launch, to land and to go left and right across the sky. That's it. I hit, I hit that first benchmark. Cool. My next goal is this. My next goal is this. My next goal is this. Now, whether or not they stay on that pipeline the whole time and, and, and they're going to one certain path, that's, that's kind of outside of the realm of what we're talking about. But just having, having that, I know what my next goal is, I know what my target is, kind of helps you understand. And it, it encourages you to fly. It makes you want to do something else. It makes you want to do more. Um, and it is, boy, is it a pain getting all that information together. <laughs> And we certainly appreciate that you're taking the time to do that. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I mean, it's certainly not easy. That's for sure. I mean, it's, I, there's, there's a lot out there and, you know, I like many learned from YouTube. I learned mm -hmm. a lot of my flying outside of, you know, some immediate instruction from, from John Trenopole, who I was lucky enough to, to have as my home shop and home field. Um, I learned a lot of my flying from Dodd and his videos. So I would watch Dodd's videos and then go learn from those. Which that, hey. real quick, that kind of, I, I want to make something clear here that I do recognize that there are some learning pathways that have existed already. And I, I'm trying to bring those all together because what you just said there with the Dodd thing, all of these pathways are very person specific. Right? Oh, absolutely. I have the Dodd school of training. I have the prism school of training. I have the, this school of training. It's not okay. Here is your basics. And I took the Dodd way. And then I learned some of the prism way. I learned some of the, some of the Randy's and then some of, yeah. you know, De Palma's and yeah. So sorry. Oh, you're so good. I, know, I know there's a lot of work that's gone before me. I'm just trying to bring that all some into consolidation. one space. Yeah. So, the thing I, I want to bring up along with this in the path is a couple of things. One, I think that like in the late nineties, when you had people learning Slackline and the, the Dodd videos were out, the flight school videos were out, which I learned by as well. One thing that, that, that um, made me feel whether it was right or not was that as I was learning that it would be beneficial to me as a kite flyer to have a, more kites that did these different tricks better. Um, and then I also look at like, say, when John brought around the iQuad, John Bressy brought around the iQuad movement and everything. I was amazed that you had, you know, people that went from owning one quad line to now they have five, because in order to do that stuff, they needed a UL, a standard, a mid vent, a full vent, a maximum vent. I mean, they needed all these other kites or they were led to believe that they did. I don't mean that to say anyone was deceiving. Don't take it that way by any means, because certainly they help. Um, but, you know, you, you went from some 
where a lot of people had one or two quad lines in a bag because they're different sizes. All of a sudden they had four versions of the exact same size in order to suit mm -hmm. different wind conditions. So by having this, what you're talking about, Nick, by having this path, it can help the industry in a sense of selling more kites because it can breed in that they potentially need to have different kites that will do this trick or this maneuver better than others or fly in different conditions. And it just overall can help the industry in general. Mm -hmm. Can I add to that? And then Absolutely, I Devin. Skedaddle out of here. I've actually <laughs> been rambling to John about this for a very long time um, about structure and how you can actually use equipment not to force structure, but to help it. Um, going back, like when I very, very first like met Hunter, it was about like about a year after that, like the backspin craze swept the U.S. So all of these kites with like crazy curved leading edges and like like the jam sessions, the wahoos, all that stuff came out. And that was the hot thing to have, to learn like rotational base tricks. And I was thinking about like the beginner market, the intermediate market, the advanced market, et cetera. Um, and I was thinking about like maybe the parallels to just like learning a game, like a complex game of cards or poker or whatever. And like the first thing that generally people will tell you when you're learning a card game is like, okay, this is Trump, like keep Trump. And I'm sitting thinking like, okay, please don't crop that and just say keep Trump. But, but like, um, you're, you're referring to a card game. We got yeah, it. Like, um, yeah. And like, they, they give you like the things to look for the ways to kind of like win or just to set out whether that's, you know, X amount of cards together or run a straight, a flop, whatever. Um, and I was thinking like, you know, the beginner kites are just like, okay, they're small for the most part. Prism's done a pretty good job making stable kites, but you're going to get a cheap kite that's pretty small. Um, and I was thinking like, what well, what would the market look like if, you know, the beginner kites had excelled in flight stalls, like axles, like go back to like 90s, not the capable 90s kites, but like the solid 90s kites. And then for an intermediate kite, have something that's geared towards, let's go with rotation-based tricks. So maybe some broad seaming in the spine, a little bit of curve on the leading edges, outward standoffs, whole nine yards, right? Like still stable enough, throw a three-point bridle on it, turbo, sorry, Paul, if you're ambitious. Um, and get them set, give them a tool to go towards rotational-based tricks couple backspins, couple multi-lazies, et cetera. Give them that. The next one, go a little bit higher aspect, deeper, higher spreaders, throw a reverse turbo bridle on there, you know, things that'll aid in pitch. Get them comfortable with pitch. And then as you get higher up into the market, I was actually, I was thinking about this a lot, actually, is I think all the kites that are considered professional don't necessarily have any extreme features. They'll do everything, but you have to know what to do. Like, there's not necessarily a wall that's like, oh, okay, maybe there's might be one or two. But I think we do need to give people, we need to give them the trump card. That's why I made the, the kite list the way I did. Like, you need to give them something to latch on to. You can't give them everything. Then on the next step, give them something else, something else. I mean, it's called a three-course meal for a reason. They're not shoving every food group in your mouth at the same time, right? Like, I don't know. Okay, rant over. 
It was just getting interesting. Didn't I just do that with my pizza? Oh, you had pizza? Damn. Yeah. Isn't it a day that ends in Y? <laughs> I love that we went from licking cougars, eating maggots, to shoving it all in our mouth at one sitting. I mean... In like the span of 20 minutes. There's nothing wrong with a healthy one bite. <laughs> well, I mean, as long as you can still breathe, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> we'll go with that for the motto of the day, I think. <laughs> Can All that right. be the title of this episode, Healthy One Bite? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll make excerpts of, of certain comments in here. There can... is nothing wrong with it if you can still breathe. Uh, that would be the <laughs> motto of the day, as far as I'm concerned. That's what I'm about to be thinking in about an hour. Um... <laughs> All right. Well, uh, do you guys have anything else you'd like to share for, for this episode? Happy birthday. Happy birthday, birthday, Devin. Thank you, Paul and Happy birthday, Devin. And Hunter. (laughs) I hate you, John. What do you tell yourself before you play? Don't fuck it up? No, that was a flute player in my Masters. He was a real... (laughs) Why is this a problem? Are we we hitting the big 3-0 here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, poor thing. Week of recitals and tours and... Baby of the group. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think isn't Waddy younger than me? Spence is the baby. Waddy's the baby. Yeah, I'm like I'm like half a year younger than Devin. Ah! Yay! I turned thirty in June. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, the week leading up to it's pretty weird, my dude. I feel so old. Yar. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm the redheaded stepchild, middle child. Great. Okay. Oh. Yay. All Who's right. the oldest? Paul? Uh, but Hey, John, don't say that. <laughs> I think that's out of previous knowledge, I think, not just guessing. <laughs> All right. You show me yours, I'll show you mine. <laughs> we can wait. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm a good bit younger than you, Paul. Oh, this is getting awkward. Jesus Christ. Okay, fine. I'm 44. Yeah, I'm a good bit younger than you, Paul. Huh. All right. Yeah, I'm 36. Oh, so I'm not the redheaded middle child. That's no. you. Yeah. Awesome. How old's Hunter? Hunter? I'm not. I'm just. A, I think I'm just a hair behind. Hair behind Paul. I'm 44 oh, also, but. Uh. <laughs> so I'm. I'm. I'm August. When's your again, Paul? I can't remember. June. We're two months. Uh, two months. Two months. Cute. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, I'll collect a handful more questions for for the next uh, podcast episode and thank you again for sharing all your expertise and wisdom so good to me... see all your faces you yeah. too yeah we got to do this more often even just for fun you know yeah for sure all right so we just kind of covered the whole gamut in that episode of perhaps what we could learn from some of the other sports that are out there and how we could kind of improve the reach of sport kite flying to the greater community as a whole, the greater world as a whole. Uh, If you have a suggestion or an idea or something like that, let us know. Info at sportkite.org. Um, we'd love to discuss it. We'd love to talk about it. We'd love to, you know, maybe pursue it. Maybe, maybe it is the solution. 
All right. So with that being said, also, if you do have any questions regarding sport kite flying, let us know. We'd love to hear some more of your questions. We're going to be doing another group chat like this. And also, if you are interested in sport kite design or running your own business, we're soliciting questions right now for a very special conversation we're going to do with some of the industry leaders in the sport kite world and kind of the kite world in general and kind of would love to have some of your questions to present to them see what they may respond and yeah share that all with you here on the sport kite podcast so send those in to us at our email or you could always reach us on facebook just look for sportkite.org and yeah all right so it is a little bit chilly but i think we should go out and fly So till next time, bye.